Welcome to Orchestrated Relationships, a podcast studying relational value. I'm David Homan, your host. Years ago, I formed a community of people called Connectors, people who have an innate ability to build and maintain authentic relationships across their personal and professional lives, and who thrive on making connections. The community was formed out of a need to develop a system and a methodology to help relational value be valued. And the most effective way I've found so far is to champion someone else, which is why I have in front of me, Chris Shumbra. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, David. So it's honored. Such a pleasure. <laughs> and I have your beautiful book, Gratitude and Pasta, sitting right in front of me. You are the founder of the 747 Club, a Broadway producer, an entrepreneur, a chef, <laughs> and somebody who tells a raunchy joke every dinner party you oh have. Oh my gosh. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the impact of your world and why you believe bringing more gratitude in it helps so many people. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. I don't think there's anybody better positioned on this planet to be a facilitator of these kind of conversations than than you, for sure. You know, over the last four years, we've used the dinner table as a, as a force for good. We've produced hundreds of dinners, sparking over 400,000 relationships around two things, pasta sauce and gratitude. And it is a good sauce. It's a phenomenal sauce. Um, but the dinner model itself blends its way for people to work together, to get their hands dirty, to serve each other, and to open up for some good conversations. At every single dinner, we ask a simple question. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? And we answer that question to flip the head on gratitude as we know it, or the way of connecting as we know it. In today's day and age, you walk, to, you walk up to a person you've just met and you say, what do you do, where are you from, how's the weather? In today's day and age, we need to flip that script. You need to go deeper when connecting with people. And so by asking this gratitude question, we're not asking people, what are you grateful for? What do you have in your life right now? Those are easy questions to answer. We ask them, who do you not give enough credit and thanks to? And they have to filter into the back of their brain to search, who have I overlooked? Who have I not given enough thanks to? And that's the impact. Gratitude, when done in this way, leads to people t telling stories of people in their past that help them get to where they are today. By doing that, you can start to identify the values at which those people stood for in their life. If you take a deeper thought, you can think about how their values have impacted your leadership style or the greater good you do in the world today. So gratitude leads to values, values leads to story, story leads to empathy and connection. So I'll tell you a quick story then, because <laughs> uh, this is mine. Um, I had an incredible piano teacher growing up named David Cook. He yes. taught me from four years old until I left for college at age 18. But that's not why he was a brilliant teacher. When I was 12, Chris, I quit. I was tired of Fur Elise. I was tired of Moonlight Sonata because my younger brother was saying, <laughs> playing the same. And for two months, my parents painstakingly watched me not want to touch the piano. And then Nirvana came out with Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I went to my classical piano teacher and I said, can I learn that on piano? And he said, absolutely, let's go. And he put it on the tape and the CD, whichever one he had, because this was early 90s, and I learned how to play Nirvana on the piano. And then I took Smells like, Smells like Teen Spirit, and I made it 
a 25-minute piece, and that was the first <laughs> work I ever improvised and basically composed from. And it's all because of David Cook. What would have happened if he had said no? No, you can't learn teen spirit on the piano. No, you can't craft a 25-minute piece out of this you know, titular three-minute song. If he hadn't been willing to entertain the idea that I needed music to be the way I needed it to be for me, I would not be a musician. And then I probably wouldn't have met my wife. I probably wouldn't obviously have founded a group called Orchestrated Connecting or a podcast <laughs> called Orchestrated Relationships if I was a former musician ending at age 12. But it all happened because he was willing to break the mold of what learning needed to be and come towards where I was. Hmm. And for that, I'll always be grateful. So thanks for reminding me. Hey, thanks for the story. So when we think about with this book you have coming out, the incredible number of people you reach through your dinners, including at Times Square and around the world. What type of connections you need to move this forward? And we are looking for those lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure people across the world, just like you and me, achieving great things, great potential, Maybe they've never seen it inside. The dinner table is a force for good. It's where you can awaken and transform and create massive change in others' life. And so if you're sitting there saying, what's my next step? What's my next key to growth? The answer is the dinner table and the answer is gratitude. So we just want a lot of people to start waking up to say, stop running and chasing down the people by the masses and take care of the people that you know in your life around the dinner table. The dinner table is one of the most underutilized assets on the planet today. If you study the origination of the word company in Latin, it's companis. Com means together, panis means bread. Breaking bread together is the origination of business and company and gathering. Let's get back to it. If you, if you, are interested in that movement, I challenge you to host a dinner, ask this gratitude question, and your entire life will transform. Amazing. And you have solutions for people that are gluten-free or dairy-free. <laughs> totally. Or are allergic or have, like me have massive heartburn when I eat anything but, that's a nightshade. But you know what's interesting is, you know, d dietary restrictions aside, obviously if someone comes to our dinner and is celiac or has an allergy or I mean physically can't eat something if you come in saying you know I've had a pretty bad relationship with gluten and then you sit down at our table and you eat our homemade pasta homemade pasta in Italy is not bad for people it's only when you just inject it in gluten and process it in America that it becomes bad for people a lot of people that come to our dinners that have a little bit of gluten intolerance they get more good in their heart from eating the food that their stomach used to not be able to consume. It's that heart that we're talking about. It's yeah. the heart that will save your life. The power right? of food, not, power not of your community. But... Not your diet. Loneliness and stress, that's the epidemic we face today. 51% of the American workforce reports being lonely on a consistent basis. That's literally the equivalent of the reduction of lifespan of smoking 15 cigarettes per day, seven years off your life. It's greater than obesity. It's an epidemic. And gathering around the dinner table is the solution. Well, I've been 
grateful that I've been able to join your dinners no, off yeah. and on throughout the of years. Course. They are quite a highly cultivated <laughs> and curated event. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I always believe that, as I already referenced in terms of my piano teacher a few minutes ago, there are always moments that define us in the past that both propel us forward but always pull us back. So I'll give, give you an example of mine first, and this is not something I talk about that much. When I was in sixth grade, we refer to it, my mother hates this, so sorry, mom, but as the year I died. Hmm. I got something like Lyme disease or fibromyalgia or something like this, and for the first five and a half months of my sixth grade early middle school experience, I was bedridden. I got bronchitis. To this day, like the thought of getting blood drawn for me just makes me cringe because three times a week for several months, I was a kid who had that part of his childhood taken away. And I walked back into school not knowing how to be social because I wasn't part of any of the new cliques formed. Mm -hmm. I was somebody who believed at that time that I was overweight or obese because I had been bedridden. And then I was running a seven-minute mile and still believing that I was overweight. And to this day, I've always had that as one of those anchor moments that I don't necessarily share that much, but my drive that came from that to overcome how I was seen socially, to overcome how I believed I was seen physically, transcended into how I now connect with people to build mm. an authentic mm -hmm. relationship to start, so that when they open up to me about what they've gone through, we understand what we can do for each other. Hmm. So how about you? Oh, man. Thank you for that story, first of all. And a seven-minute mile is a breakneck pace, so I'm pretty jealous, actually. Um, my greatest insecurity as a child was that I was always the last one called to the party. My invite was somehow always lost in the mail. Yes, I was seen as you know one of the most well-connected people of my age and still am today, but I was always chasing the party. I was always the one left out. And I'll get to how that became my strength in a second. But when I was five, I had ADHD. I had a lot of energy. I had a lot of different groups of friends. My parents always uh, arranged play dates. But I was always kind of on the outside. And I, at, uh, at Thanksgiving Oyster Roast at the Cram household, I was reminded by my Montessori teacher, Bianca Sharma, that when they put me on medication and they had to make horse tranquilizing Adderall and Ritalin, et cetera, et cetera, she said, I used to have a periphery. And when I started taking the medication, it's like they put blinders on me. It's not my parents' fault. The damn doctors, they didn't know what to do with me. I didn't know what to do with myself. And those blinders, they used to put me in a room, Montessori school, the kids would be able to play together. I'd be in a room with a one-way mirror. They couldn't see me, but I could see them. And it was humiliating. But I finally weaned off the medication at the age of 20 in my second or first stint in rehab after being on 86 milligrams of Adderall for 15 years. That fucks with the boy's head, huh? Absolutely. I don't remember my childhood. I wasn't creative as a kid. I didn't have anywhere for that energy to go. But when they weaned me off the medication, I began to see two things. One, I was more creative than you could shake a stick at. 
I started having dreams and being able to set goals and being able to pivot and having all these kind of crazy thoughts that the medication didn't let me have. Well, I turned that insecurity of always being different, of always being left out into my strength. I started hosting the dinners. I started having the people come to me. I didn't have to run any longer. Unfortunately, I had to go through the suicide, depression, rehab, and jail to find out, but it worked. And the good news is entrepreneurs are six times more likely to have ADHD. My, what I used to see as such a detriment that they used to have to medicate me and hide me from society is now my gift. And I hope others can find that gift as well. That was my moment. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. I think there's a lot to be learned about what we view currently in society as a societal ill mm. that actually creates some of the most beauty in this world. The majority of Pulitzer Prize winning poets, bipolar. Wow. There's studies done from around the time of the bubonic plague that those who survived the most actually were hemophiliacs. Oh my God. This idea that what we have now is something that actually has to fit a norm. Yeah which is why what I found so often with people that are incredibly great at connecting is it's not just that they needed that connectivity for themselves, but more that they learned why that connectivity was valuable, not just to give, not just to help others, but to move forward with a better world. I agree with that. And when you talk about move forward with a better world and being able to understand why connection is needed for others, you call that empathy, right? Empathy is the art of imaginatively stepping into the shoes of another person, understanding their feelings and perspectives, and actually doing something about it. I believe the greatest connectors on this planet are introverts. Introverts know the power of listening, creating safe space, asking deep questions. And when you can do that and hold the space for others, that's how you create connection, and that's how you create leadership. This world needs a lot less speakers and a lot more facilitators like you, like the introverts of the world. And I, I can't wait to see people really dive into that, that, the power of quiet, the power of listening and question asking. Well said. <laughs> so I live my life by a lot of different quotes. But the one I wanted to share with you today, given that we share a theater background, is one of my favorites from Albie's Zoo Story. And it goes like this. Sometimes one has to go a long distance out of one's way to come back a short distance correctly. Hmm. So when I look at that in terms of my life, I was somebody who chose to be number two in everything, as opposed to becoming the president of a youth leadership group. I wanted to run the health conference and let somebody else be the president. I wanted somebody else to run the show until I was compelled into a position years ago where I had to run the show. Hmm. And what I realized was that having that perspective of what it took to make something happen, as opposed to greet everyone because somebody else had made it happen, made me somebody that could facilitate thousands of events and relationships and deals and opportunities because I understood the actions needed Mm -hmm. as opposed to the words needed to propel something to action. Oh, man. 
right? Maya Angelou once said, you, you, people won't remember what you did, they won't remember what you said, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And that's what you just stepped into as a facilitator. I believe when you have a conversation with somebody, the worst thing you can do is talk about yourself. Hmm. The -hmm. best thing you can do is open with the vulnerability and have a connectivity to them that gets them to talk about themselves and to often be surprised with what you brought up from them. Mm -hmm. That's why your question earlier on in this uh, interview related to the person that you've not thought about, that you owe the gratitude to, is so important because the catalysts in our lives are not necessarily the ones we are the most gracious or connected to now. Mm -hmm. But if they were the ones that got you through your early 20s into the type of man that you are now, that showed you how to add that little bit of spice to the sauce, (laughs) those are the type of people that need more recognition, that need more value, because they're in between. But that connective tissue is far greater than the anchors that we see in this world. Yeah. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast today. So glad you could join for the inaugural recordings of Orchestrated (laughs) Relationships. Any other thoughts you'd like to leave us with related to gratitude in particular on your upcoming book? You know, I'll leave with a quote. On uh, Sunday, January 24th, 2016, I went snow sledding. My buddy tripped Derek Barnes, Dave Lindsay. And at the point of time, our life could have gone one of 20 different ways. And when I walked in to talk to Dave about all the opportunities we had in front of us, he took them all in, was overwhelmed by the options, and he looked at me and he said, you can't chase two rabbits at the same time to both get away. Focus equals growth. We live in a world of options and a la carte opportunities. All you got to do is pick one of them. And if you keep doing that one thing, maybe one day you'll wake up in the middle of the night and realize you're one of the best in the world at what you do. This world needs more artists. It needs more craftsmen and craftswomen and crafts non-gender binary um, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, pick something and do it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. There's going to be many ups and downs, but it's through that hardship and hard work that creativity grows and flourishes. And, uh, yeah, remember, gratitude, fucking A, man. (laughs) Love it. I'm grateful you could be here today, and I'll just leave you with my thought in response to that, which goes back to my zoo story quote, which is that if you can't see where you're going to end up, the only confidence you can have is that you love the journey to get there. Wow. So if it's chasing that rabbit, for me, it's not just about trying to get what you're chasing. It's actually about putting yourself in a position where you actually love the challenge of doing it, the learning of it, and you can bring people along the way. Yeah. Man, David, I love what you're doing here, and you ask such good questions, and you've really created such a safe space for growth. So I know the listeners out there, man... Keep listening to David. He, he knows what's up. Thank you for coming, Chris. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, buddy.
On my next podcast, stay tuned for the passionate Melissa Rosenfield, whose creative agency is helping sustainability become the norm. We'll close this podcast with an excerpt from my work, Ori Movement One, for four amplified cellos. Thank you for listening to Orchestrated Relationships, recorded proudly at Smash Studios, edited by Stephen Bartlett. Stay tuned for our next episode.